Welcome to this special edition of the Niche Enrollment Insights Podcast. My name is Will Patch. I'm the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader for Higher Ed here at Niche. So today, it's a little different than what we typically do. I'm going to be taking a look at some of the results from the 2022 Niche Senior Enrollment Survey. This is our seventh year doing the survey. And what this survey is, if you haven't seen the, the prior years, we're taking a look at what students considered in their college search, what ultimately helped them make their decision, what were their concerns, and we're able to provide some long-term benchmarks for how student search is changing and how their decision-making process and what they need to hear and how they want to hear about it has changed over time. So today I'm going to take a look at what almost 22,000 students said about their search process and decision-making and how that all came together for them. I want to cover a few topics here. The results just came out yesterday. You can find all those on the Enrollment Insights blog. So in this version, I'm just going to highlight a few things for you. Also, in a couple of weeks, on September 15th, you'll be able to join us for a webinar where we have the opportunity to ask some questions, uh, and we'll get into some of the tactical communication-based things uh, that, that might be of interest. So that is September 15th, 2022, if you're listening to this later. If you hear this podcast after that's already aired, you can go to the survey results. Uh, we'll also have the recording there of that. So a few things that really stood out to me. The first point here that, that you'll be able to read more about is just the search timeline changing. It's no longer this very heavily summer and fall of their senior year. That may be when we go heavy into recruiting seniors, but that's not when that class is actively searching for college. Uh, there was this flattening of the curve. So what we saw was more activity in the sophomore year, but also we saw a spike and more drawn out into the spring of senior year. It's just speaking to students not really being set and ready to say, yep, I've made my decision by mid-year, by early spring. They're still actively searching throughout their spring and into summer of their senior year. One thing that we saw about a third of all search activity is taking place during the fall of senior year. So yes, that's still a big time. But before the pandemic, that was 41%. So that has decreased uh, because we're seeing it spread out earlier and then late as well. So I think that really, to me, highlights why it's so important to meet students where they are, find where they're active, and then also start earlier, you know, start actively recruiting these students. And that doesn't mean go out and buy a bunch of names and start bombarding them with information, but be ready to engage students who are actively searching early. Be ready to continue that nurture process and continue finding new inquiries into the spring, into the summer after they've graduated even, because students are still looking. You know, just because someone has been accepted earlier in the year does not mean that they are all in, set into the spring. They're still actively looking. This cycle looks a little bit different when we look at just students who only considered two-year colleges, so whether that be a community college or a career technical school. So for them, 58% of their search activity occurred during their senior year. So a lot of activity during the spring of their senior year. So if you're working at a two-year institution, you know, you're, you're hitting hard in late fall through spring after graduation. Uh, it's just a little different process there. Uh, we also were able to slice and dice uh, to take a look at first-generation students, low-income students, underrepresented minorities. And the thing that stood out there, all three of these groups, and I, I always want to emphasize these are not overlaps. There are some overlaps, but these are three distinct groups. All of them, though, were more likely to start their search during their senior year, especially in spring. You know, that's something that we saw all three groups waiting longer to even start their search process. If someone was a first-generation student who was also low-income and was also an underrepresented minority, if they were all three at once, 
they were three times as likely to start in their spring of their senior year. So this is something where if you're mission-driven to serve these types of students, which I hope everybody is, but I know there's different priorities out there. If you're mission-driven, this is where you have to be able to find new inquiries throughout senior year after graduation. Don't assume that your pool is set by early fall because these students are still actively searching so late. Second big change here, when we look at visits and how students are taking visits, we had seen a decline during the pandemic, which makes sense, right? We saw more students this year report that they had visited a campus prior to enrolling. Uh, It was up to 81% again of students who had visited any campus prior to enrolling. Uh, That's still less than pre-pandemic when it was 95% pretty consistently. So there's still more students who are taking either virtual events, virtual tours, uh, you know, doing all their search online versus physically gain on a campus. And that doesn't have to be the campus they're enrolling at. That is any campus. When we look at low-income students, 25% of low-income students did not visit any campus at all prior to enrolling compared to 13% of their peers. So that that's, that's something that can be a detriment for them if they're not getting on any campus. Uh, now, one thing we saw, income correlates very, very closely to the number of visits as well. Uh, so when we look at the highest income quintile students, only 7% of them said they did not visit any campuses. If we look at the lowest income in quintile, so sub-25,000 a year families, that increased to 27% not visiting any. So we're looking as we go up in incomes through the quintiles from 27% not visiting to only 7%. So having these programs, having ways to help low-income students get on a campus, even if they don't enroll with you, if they can get on campus, get a better feel for things, learn more about the process, that's going to help them out. Going to help that comfort level. Going to help their retention, right? We saw 41% of students saying that they were not able to visit as many colleges as they want. That was a challenge for them. Uh, So when we asked about different things that were a challenge, that, again, was still the biggest challenge reported, was not feeling like they got enough visits. Now, that's down from 60% last year, but still 41% of students saying that they wanted to be able to visit more colleges, they just weren't able to. That's a concern. The majority of students still also said that they found virtual events and tours influential in their search. Now, that's less than in the past, but still, most of them do. It's just barely over. Uh, So that's something that I wouldn't say bail on entirely, uh, but think about how do you provide that unique experience there so if someone can't visit, they can still get a feel for things, but don't, don't think you have to lean as heavily on them as you used to. We also saw when we asked about how critical something was to making their decision, Virtual events were less important than in person. I think that makes sense. But again, if you are worried about students not getting on campus, have a robust virtual tour, have a robust virtual visit experience, segment them, slice and dice them so that a student can see the exact things they're interested in and they don't have to come for this general campus tour, campus event. Uh, That's something that can really help out there. Uh, We also saw when we, again, we segment down, underrepresented minorities were more likely than their peers to say that virtual was influential in their in their decision making. And they were less likely to say that a campus tour was influential. And that was surprising. Now, overall, they did say that in-person was more than virtual, but compared to their peers, they were much closer together. Uh, so that's something that, you know, for maybe you have some special events for underrepresented minorities. Having that virtual component can really speak to that. Or just take a look at what your 
in-person experience is like? Is there a reason that these students may feel that way? Are they not getting the experience they're looking for? Are they not seeing students that look like them? You know, take a look at what experiences that they may want to have and have those conversations with your student ambassadors and figure out what's going to, to work best for you. When we asked what students look for and what they want in a college, again, number one this year, safety. And we split into two here. We asked feeling safe on campus versus feeling safe in the town or community around campus. They were both extremely high. 97% said that that's important to them to feel safe on campus. 96% said in the town community. So making sure that you have a safe space and then how do you show that? You know, how are you talking about? How are you making sure that it's visible? That this is a place where students feel safe. That's something that parents, of course, have always said. Students are very concerned with it now as well. Uh, it's something that, that we need to be aware of, right? The majority of students also read scholarship availability as important, the variety of campus activities, and then the dorms or residence halls. I always word it as dorms because that's what the students say. Uh, and, and, you know, I know residence life doesn't always love that. But so, yeah, that, those are the things that still the majority of students rate as very important in their college search. They want to be safe. They want to have high scholarship availability. They want to have a variety of activities on campus and then having good dorms. So that's the, the campus features, campus environment. We look at the campus community. So the, the student factors there. Number one, number one most important factors for students when they're looking for a community is diversity. 84% of respondents said that they want to go to a place with a diverse student body. 46% of those so almost half of all students say that is a must-have. When they're looking at colleges, absolute must-have, diverse student body. There's a second question as well. We asked about diversity of faculty and staff. That's the second most important campus community feature. 81%, so we go from 84% for diverse student body, 81% for faculty and staff. 40% of students said that, that is a must-have feature. So look at who are you hiring, who are students interacting with, when they come to campus, when they're looking at materials, when they're on your website, because these are the things that students want. They want to be able to be around people who are going to expand their experiences. Other must-haves for students, arts and cultural activities. Again, we continue to see, and, and I don't know if this was a pandemic issue or, or not, we continue to see the arts as more important than athletics for students. And that's been a shift over the past couple of years here. So again, I always, I always emphasize, how are you recruiting for the arts? How are you showcasing them? When you look through a lot of materials, there's very heavy emphasis on athletics, and that can be a draw for the community, for everyone else, for alumni. But today's high school students are looking for the arts. You know, So think about what sort of recruiting pipeline do you have there? Other important things, they want students who are engaged in social issue advocacy. They want students who are going to be engaged in that way. Uh, are there opportunities to be involved there? And then LGBTQ plus services. So that's something that's important to students, even if they don't identify, seeing that was a positive for them. When we asked about these campus communities, only one thing came through as a detractor. And what I mean by that is more students said they do not want to see this than to say they did see it as a draw. And that was Greek life. Greek life is more of a detractor on campuses to students now than it is an attractor. When we look at locations, so what do students want in terms of where they go to college? Urban campuses are significantly seen as a draw. There was a big spike this year 
Uh, we also saw an increase in students interested in suburban campuses, but urban is now the number one most appealing. That was something that shifted in the past couple of years. There was a big jump there. When we look at some of the other areas, small town campuses, rural campuses, and especially fully online campuses, institutions there, were seen as less appealing. They all decreased in students saying they were interested. 40% of students said they would consider a college in a small town, 22% rural. Fully online fell from 17% to only 6% of students saying that they would consider enrolling there. So that's something that I think they've had the experience of emergency online instruction. They're seeing that as this is what online education is. I think we all know that's not entirely true, but it was a turnoff for them. When we asked about the size of institutions, we saw a spike in interest at mid-sized institutions. So the five to 15,000 students, that grew to 81% of students saying they would consider that. Interest in the large and small colleges, so either end of that spectrum, both fell. Especially right now, if you're a mid-sized institution, so five to 15,000 in an urban center, that's what this senior class was looking for. This is a great time to be that type of institution, especially if you're a diverse institution in an urban center. You know, you're a mid-sized uh, enrollment. You have a safe campus environment, safe community. Boy, you've got everything going for you right there. Another thing I wanted to touch on, standardized testing. You know, that's been a big one. There's a lot of confusion among students on what test optional and test blind mean. So that's something I'm going to keep harping on here. It has to be clear. You know, it has to be very clear to students, to counselors, to others. 75% of students that responded this year said that they had taken a standardized test from, at some point, which was up from 71% the prior year. 71% of underrepresented minorities, 70% of low-income students, and only two-thirds of first-gen students said that they had taken one. Now, if we look at the very wealthiest students, that goes up to 85%. So I think you can see some of the, the connections here of who's taking them. Of those students who did take a standardized test, 34% said they submitted it to all colleges, regardless of whether or not it was required. And 24% said they only submitted it to some of the colleges. So majority did wind up submitting some places. A quarter of students said they submitted to colleges that did not require it because they thought that their score would help them. You know, if I don't know what test optional means, and I think that it might help me, yeah, I can see why a student would submit that. Only 2% of students said that they were told that they still had to, which was good. You know, I'm glad that that was such a small number. But 38% of students, this was the concerning one for me, 38% of students said that they thought that colleges, even if they said they're test optional, even if they said they're test blind, really secretly wanted it, even though they said they didn't. So that's something that has to be fought, right? I mean, we keep seeing these opinion pieces and other things elsewhere where people are telling students, no, no, still send them, even if they say they don't need them. You know, be very upfront and clear about if you do require them, tell students that. If you're test optional, tell them when they might want to submit it. In what situations would they? When would it help them? How do you use it? Be very transparent. If you're test blind, be very transparent about that as well. If you're test blind, that means they don't need to send it at all, right? So of the students who were told that they had to, and here's the interesting breakdown here. This is where I think can highlight some of those places where we need to do some influence the influencer campaigns. How do we speak to these populations and make sure they understand the policies? So students who were told they had to submit test scores when they didn't need to, 70% of those who had a school or college counselor said they were told by their school or college counselor. So that's a group that's very easy to access. Make sure they know your policies. Be very clear about it. 44% said their parent told them they had to. 
40% of those who had hired an independent educational consultant said they were told to by them. 17% said their friends told them to. Uh, and 9% said someone else in their life told them to. So when we're looking at testing, if you're test optional, test blind, be very transparent about it so students understand. Speaking of influencers, three quarters of students said that their family was influential in that decision. Now, when we look at the next most influential group was current students at a college at 64%. So using your student ambassadors, using their friends, using these students who might be very active on social, you know, that's where these students are turning. 61% said their friends influenced where they enrolled and then online reviews at 55%. So these are where students are going. Now, I just want to point out, none of these are your staff, your faculty, things like that. Staff at a college ranked fifth and sixth with admissions staff at 53% of, uh, of students saying that they were influenced and then faculty at the institution at 50%. So that's two groups that I'm, I'm a little surprised don't have more sway in where students enroll and whether that's not really having those, those relationships built, not really having them speaking to what is relevant to the student. I can tell you from doing some secret shopping, it really feels very impersonal. We want to make sure that students can have these relationships with your highly trained staff uh, who are doing this great job. These are people who are in the field because they love helping students. So make sure that they are able and empowered and have the toolkit to build these relationships, to help influence these students, to help make that difference. One thing that, that was a little concerning here as well, the share of students who said they received counseling or support at their school so either their school counselor also served as their, their college guidance counselor, whatever the school is going to use that term for, uh, or they have a decade college counseling staff at their high school. That fell again this year from 61% to 58%. So we're seeing less support at the school. So that's where we need these, these more broad networks of how are we supporting students, right? How are we making sure that they can navigate the process? They're well-informed. First-generation students, they were less than half as likely to say that their parents were supporting them in their search. Only 32% said their parents were helping them versus 67% of their peers. You know, that's something not just we're influential, just we're able to help at all. So think about how do we influence the influencers again? How do we help parents make sure that they feel knowledgeable, empowered, able to support their students, whether they're first-gen or not? Whether that parent has any experience with the college research process, do they have the resources and they know how to get the information? Do they know how to speak the lingo? You know, are they able to help their students? Because just having that person who can support them at home and the off hours, who knows what questions to ask, that can make such a huge difference. Make sure that you have resources to speak to parents, to help those parents know the process, know the acronyms. How are these parents able to support their students? That is so critical to these students not melting, to make sure that they get to college, thrive, have a great experience. Last point I want to talk about is affordability. That's a big one, right? Price sensitivity has continued to increase rapidly. This year, the class 2022, 81% of respondents said that they eliminated colleges from consideration. They did not imply, they did not inquire because of the total cost or sticker price. 81%. That's, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that is such a high number. This is up. Last year, for class 2021, it was 73%. In 2020, it was 68%. And that was the first year 
the majority of every income quintile was eliminating colleges based on that total cost. So even the wealthiest students who were eliminating colleges from consideration were not applying, were ruling out before considering you based on that total cost. Pre-pandemic, it was only 56%. So this has been just a couple short years, such a huge increase. And yet, how many colleges are looking at changing the sticker price, changing that total cost? If the price, if that total cost goes up every year, you're eliminating more and more students every year. You're going to be digging yourself a hole. So this has to be a campus-wide conversation. This has to be a board-level conversation. This cannot just continue to be ignored because more and more students will take a look at that total cost, not, not what will I actually pay, but what is that total sticker price and rule it out and decide, well, I'll just either go get a job, I'll do something else, college isn't affordable. When reality, we know there's a lot of aid being given. It can be very affordable. But if students don't even apply, don't get to that first step because of the sticker price, we'll never get to have that conversation. One interesting thing though, while cost is often stated as a very important factor, it's a major concern for students, students who were accepted to at least two colleges did not necessarily choose to enroll at the less expensive option. So overall, there were 13% of respondents who said that they were enrolling at college, which was much more expensive than their other options. 18% said that they were enrolling at one that was more expensive. And then 36% said they were enrolling in a college that was less expensive than their other options. So that, that's surprising to me, that cost is such a concern, and yet when they make the final decision, it's not all about cost, right? They're pretty evenly split. 31% are going to something more expensive, 36% less expensive. There's a, a large number of students who, yes, it's still a concern, but ultimately when it comes down to everything else, when they get their final financial aid packages, they weigh all their options. They're not necessarily just going for what has the lower cost. So being able to articulate those value statements, right? That's very important. This is something when we ask about confidence as well. We always ask, are you confident in, in various things? One of the questions is, are you confident that you can afford the college at which you are enrolling? They made their decision. Are you confident that you can afford it? This year, only 35% of students said yes. 35% of students are confident. And these are the students who are showing up on campus in the fall. 35% are confident that they can actually afford it. Huge concern for melt, for attention. So this has to be a major talking point very early on. Don't wait until spring to have the cost conversation. So these were just a few of the, the bullet points. You can find all the results on the Niche Enrollment Insights blog. Uh, again, the short link there is niche.bz slash insights. You can find all the information in the show notes as well. Thank you for joining. I hope you can join us for the webinar on September 15th as well. 